Good morning. Uh, this morning, uh, we are uh, going through healthy rhythms, as Pastor Anthony mentioned at the beginning of the service. And this morning, um, one of the rhythms we're going to explore is uh, Scripture and, and, and what does it mean to be a student of God's Word. And so one of the things we do in worship, just to sort of show this rhythm, to encourage people to be in the Word, is we, we read from God's Word publicly and we proclaim what it says. And so you can follow along with me if you want to um, in your own Bible or in an app. I'm going to be in... The Gospel of John, starting in verse, or chapter 8, starting in verse 31. And I'm reading from the ESV or English Standard Version. And, and just hear these words as Jesus speaks to us this morning. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet... You seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. That's a little, we don't normally do that in the service, but I saw it on the slide, so I thought, why not? Let's do it. Yeah. So Jesus had a lot to say in this text about what does it mean to, to hear his words, to understand the truth and and how does non-truth sort of sneak into the picture why is it sometimes hard for us to hear the word of god to understand what is being taught well partly because we just don't have a good rhythm with it we don't have healthy rhythms when it comes to our relationship with god's word 
And so this morning, uh, we're going to be focusing on the rhythm of Scripture reading. That is, uh, taking time out of our rhythm of life to focus intentionally on the Word of God, read it, digest it, hear it, experience it, and be moved from it and through it. But here's the thing, like, and you probably have heard this before, and maybe you're even guilty of this, I don't know. I, I know Bethany's full of the most faithful people when it comes to these spiritual practices, right? But yeah, right, just Jim, yeah, which we already know. God's Word is something that's meant to be experienced on a regular basis, but statistics would say that most people only experience Scripture reading or the Word of God in the hour that they're in worship on Sunday morning, if they are in worship on Sunday morning. The rest of the week usually has no Scripture reading as part of that healthy spiritual rhythm. So if that is true, what that says to me is that for a lot of you, what I just read is what you're going to get this week when it comes to the Word of God. And what's hard about this as a spiritual rhythm then is, is just thinking about what Jesus just said to, to people who knew Abraham, who were students of the law, which is that you don't hear God's word, you, you don't live it out, you're not faithful to what even Abraham would do. And, and the reason why is because if you think about just our life, and it's not that different than the lives of the people in the New Testament, there are so many things coming at us that are not truth that if you only get like five minutes of God's word in any given week, it's muted, dampened by everything else in the world. And so in the Gospels, um, when Jesus is arrested, there's a, a very powerful question that's asked, and it's a question that's true for us. Pontius Pilate is having a conversation with Jesus, and Pontius Pilate asks the question, what is truth? What is truth? How do you determine what is true? And this is a, a big question. It's a, it was a big question then, and it's in many ways, I think, a bigger question now. Is truth something defined by us? Do I get to decide this morning what is true? Do you yourself get to decide what is true? I can have my truth, you can have your truth, and that's great. We move on through life living in our own truths, and, and there is no ultimate truth. We just do what we want to do. It sounds a lot like the followers Jesus was talking to in John. We don't hear the word of God because we don't want to. Because we want to define what truth is. And this is really hard, too, in our culture, because not only do we have this sort of individualistic sort of sense of we get to decide what reality is, what truth is for us, and that's okay, but we also live in a culture where it's, it's increasingly harder to know what truth is. I mean, you have news organizations that are actually entertainment. So the lines get blurred. What's actual truth? Truth reporting versus entertainment reporting. You have organizations that push out information that are owned by the same like five or six mega corporations and, 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 and they are repeating similar stories and editing and tailoring what they want us to hear and see and understand. And, and, and there's a sense like maybe we're missing something. Is this really the truth? 
then you have the phrase out there, fake news. Like when you have a phrase out there like that, like then what can, what, what can you go to? How do you know what's real and what's not real? What's actually going on? Couple that with technology that can do fake videos that look realistic and it's just, it's just getting harder and harder, I think, for us to sift out what reality is and what we're called into. And so I think uh, more than ever, I, we have to double down on discovering truth in a more concrete way and we have to look outside of ourselves to something that endures. Now, I can't convince anybody that Scripture is true. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's God's work in the hearts and minds of people. But when people come to know and believe in Christ and His calling, we sort of give ourselves over to something outside of us. And we seek truth. And as a community united together here at Bethany, we say Scripture is true and we want to go to Scripture to learn what it means to be followers of Jesus and live out our lives faithfully because we know who He is and what it means for us to follow Him. But this is hard. Because even if everyone in this room can agree Scripture is true, it can easily, so easily get twisted, which is why we have to be students of the word. I mean, look at this text. This is why do you not understand what I say? This is Jesus talking in John 8. Is it because you cannot bear to hear my word? And he says where it comes from. He says, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning And does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, that is Jesus, you do not believe me. And this happened from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3. God said, you can eat from anything in this garden, but do not eat from that tree because death will come into the picture. Tree of knowledge, good and evil. You will die. You will surely die. And what did the father of lies say? Did God really say? I mean, if he loves you, would he really do that? That's just the thing. You can have like 95% truth, and that last little 5% will just be twisted enough to just take you off into a different course. And the only way to prevent that from happening is to be a student of the Word, to, to know what God's Word says. Otherwise, you'll just believe what I tell you, right? And hope I'm right. God, I hope I'm right. <laughs> you see, the time is coming, Scripture even says, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. That is, and this is true with our culture, if you don't agree with what somebody says and they're pointing to the truth, you can find a teacher that can teach the same thing in a way that you agree with. Teach from the same thing. Just twist it. The only way to to push through this, to, to be rooted in the Word of God, is to actually read and listen to it and be students of it. 
You see, the, the more you read Scripture, the more you listen to God's Word, the more you come to study it in community with other people that believe that it is truth, the more you can discern the truth and be trustworthy yourself. That is, as you go throughout the world and experience life, you can start to intuitively sense and know what is true as informed by your understanding of Scripture and what is not true. And because you believe it's true you begin to be more trustworthy. That is, you live a life that is trustworthy because you follow the truth, which is Jesus. And so there's this uh, sociology experiment that happens in the Old Testament that sort of explains the consequences of, of a whole people moving away from some objective truth and, and finding truth in Scripture. And it comes to us in Second uh, Kings. You hear a story about Josiah and Hilkiah. And in 2 Kings, the, the northern and southern kingdom of Israel, they had been fighting a civil war, and they split it into the north and to the south. And, and in the southern kingdom, Josiah becomes king, and he wants to lead the people to be faithful to God again and begin to pick up some of the practices of faith of previous generations. And up until this point, previous to Josiah, there were um, evil kings, doing evil, terrible things. And God's people were worshiping false gods and participating in ritual practices that were just the opposite of the truth. And so he decides that it's time to get people back into worship and, and back at the temple doing the things that God called them to do. And as Hilkiah was going through the, uh, the, the, the piles of rubble from the war that had been fought, he comes across a book that had been lost to the people. It's the book of the law. And we don't, we don't actually know what was in this book. We speculate it was maybe the book of Deuteronomy or, or maybe the Pentateuch, the five, first five books of Scripture. But they open it up and their eyes were opened to the truth that they had lost. And they realized just how far from God they had moved. And you've got to imagine, so if it was just the book of Deuteronomy or the Pentateuch, like one of the foundational sort of spiritual prayers of God's people is in that book. It's called the Shema. And the Shema says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul or being, and with all of your mind. And just think how profound it was for a people who had lost that word to read your Lord is one, not many, and that you're supposed to give everything, heart, soul, mind, to him. What a wake-up call. <laughs> An exposure to the truth. But this is why God's word is so important, because it informs uh, Everything. Like, why are we even doing a sermon series on spiritual practices? What does it matter if we pray? Why, why talk about uh, meditating or having moments of silence and listening to God? What's the point? Next week, why skip donuts and talk about fasting? Like, why would we spend 10 to 15 minutes of our time in worship to listen to somebody talk about these spiritual practices. What's the big deal? 
Well, the, the big deal is that all these spiritual practices are given to us through God's Word because God's Word informs all, every spiritual discipline that we talk about and every spiritual discipline that we're not going to talk about. It's everything. Without it, it makes no sense what we're doing here. And so Scripture does a lot of heavy lifting for us. I mean, it says in Scripture, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is the thing that just cuts to the very soul, our very being. It's what teaches us, encourages us, corrects us, it's the thing that God uses to achieve his will. I mean, God uses means. He uses means to transform us, to create faith. And, and Scripture points to this truth, too. It says, now Jesus, in the book of John, did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in the book, but these, the things that are reported to us, were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That is, everything in Scripture, the Word of God is the very means by which God helps you have faith in who Jesus is. It's one of the means that gives you faith to begin with. It's there so that you might believe. It's there so that you might have life. And so it creates faith, it corrects, it encourages. And this makes sense. I mean, there's other examples of how this works in our life. Let me just ask you, um, like, have you ever <laughs> tried to put something together or do a task and you pulled out the instructions and thought, eh, I don't need it, I can figure it out on my own? Anybody? I can barely see, but if, if you're a guy and you're not raising your hand, you're also a liar. Right? Like, I, I would say, this is like the Ikea furniture problem, right? Like, it's like, where are the instructions? And, and you get frustrated. I, I said in the last year, it was probably like 5% of uh, disagreements with my spouse end up over misunderstanding instructions or not doing something right. Right? The instructions are there to guide us, to help us finish the task, finish strong, get to the finish line, complete the picture, and do it right. But if you, if you don't read the instructions, guess what? You're going to pay for it. In my case, I'll have to pay someone else to fix it for me. That's what Scripture's like. It's, it's, it's sort of these instructions to help us get to the finish, to complete the project well, to do it right. It serves as a warning for us as well. Like, I don't know, I, I look at hair dryers sometimes in hotel rooms or at home or, you know, toaster ovens. What does it say? There's like a little label on it like, do not take a bath with this. Why, why would they tell you not to take a bath with it? It's a warning, right? If you crawl into a bathtub with a toaster oven, 
It's going to be a shocking experience. You'll get to see Jesus. That's how scripture works. It's, it's to help you be safe, to pr- protect yourself. It's about moving us ultimately home in Jesus. You see, to be a student of scripture is to be a student of Jesus. To know Jesus is to know scripture. In the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and, and the Word was made flesh in Christ. He is the living embodiment of the Word, like he is everything. So to study the Word is to study Jesus, to understand his call in your life, to understand what it means to be a follower, to to go where he calls you and to be faithful as he leads you and to be forgiven in the midst of all of it. That's what we are invited into when we study the word. We're sitting at the feet of the master. You know, when we become students of Jesus, Sure, we're, we're corrected, we're told how to do things right, but ultimately, we're comforted. We're reminded that everything will be okay. Because you see, if you're anxious, what does Scripture say? Do not be anxious. <laughs> but with prayer and petition, present your request before God. If you're worried, do not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. Whatever is pure and admirable and lovely and praiseworthy, think about these things and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, his word. If you're mourning and grieving, if you fear death, what does scripture say? There'll be no more tears, no more pain. There will be new life. There will no longer be any darkness. There will only be light, and the light will be Christ. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy will come in the morning. We are given a hope and a comfort in the midst of all the brokenness of life. And so what do we do? Well, we read, we listen. You see, you don't have to Read it, you can listen to it. <laughs> we have Bibles in our pockets, we have Bibles at home, we have illustrated Bibles, we have every translation imaginable. We're not in the same situation that the people in Second Kings were. It's just there for us to read, to listen, to experience, to be encouraged by, to follow, to be faithful, to know Jesus. And so that's what the spiritual practice is. That's what you're being asked to focus on. And so this week, as of every week, we've been sort of issuing a challenge and email and, and kind of talking about it on Sunday. And so your challenge this week is to be a student of Jesus, to, to study the Word. And what I would just encourage you to do is pick the, one of the shorter Gospels, Matthew, Mark, just pick one of them and, and, and just take a moment and, and read it from beginning to end in one setting. Not broken up 
not interpreted by somebody, just straight. Here is Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, everything you're invited into, everything that you get to see or hear so that you might have faith, be encouraged in your faith, and know Jesus. And so we together, as a body of Christ, read and listen and know the truth. In Jesus' name, amen.